0: Mm -hmm. Live from Harrison County, West Virginia, we welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast, a show designed to help you change your state, your state of health, uh, find ways to help you uh, eat better, exercise better, and live better. And we spread this program throughout the local area and one day hope we can take it across the entire state of West Virginia. I'm Gary Bowden, a Healthy Harrison board member, and our co-host today is Brock Malcolm. Brock's the president of the Healthy Harrison board of directors. Welcome, Brock.
1: Thanks, Gary. I'm really excited about today's show. So Yeah, good
0: show on tap. Yeah, we're streaming this program live on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as the statewide distribution network of our media partner, wvnews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who are focused on The mission of Healthy Harrison, that being fostering measurable improvement in the health and well-being of the citizens of North Central West Virginia, and uh, certainly we hope that one day we'll have uh, programs and templates that we can spread throughout the the entire state of West Virginia. No one is more immersed in the health and well-being of West Virginians than today's guest. We're delighted to be talking with Albert Wright, the president and CEO of west virginia university health system and wvu hospitals welcome albert thank
2: you gary and brock i uh, appreciate you having me today
0: good to have you here since joining the health system in 2014 uh albert wright has grown into a network of 17 hospitals including the system's flagship 700 bed medical uh, center in morgantown uh, better known as ruby memorial and also united hospital center right here in Harrison County. Uh, But one thing I wanted to do, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on this, and I kind of tipped you off as we were talking before we went live. Um, Before we get into the questioning, uh, we're getting really close on one of the premier projects going on right now with your WVU medicine system, that being WVU medicine children's. Can we give you a moment just to talk that up, Albert?
2: Oh, I would love that, Gary. So this is a project that I'm extremely excited about. You know, I I started in August of 2014 and, you know, I visited our children's hospital that's on the sixth floor of Ruby Memorial that first week. And I I started to build this hospital in my mind seven years ago. And so for it to be coming to fruition, we're gonna move our first children and start to take our first patients uh, the second week of February. And we're hiring additional staff, an additional 500 staff in addition to the the 500 that already work in our children's programs today, but the building's coming together, uh, the people are coming, the programmatic growth, we just became the state's only level four neonatal intensive care unit. It is going to be a spectacular, comprehensive children's hospital that really serves the entire state, right? I mean, if, if we're going to be a locally controlled and owned healthcare system that's able to take care of our own, there's, you know, pediatrics is a big part of that. And it is um, it's going to be a special facility. Uh, and I, I, I can sincerely say, I hope, um, I hope most of you will never need it, but if you do,
0: yeah.
2: uh, we will be there for you.
1: Right.
0: That's well, you know, our, uh,
1: I'm, I have a 20 year old. He's actually at WVU now. And uh, you know, when, when we were expecting him, we learned that he was going to be born with a, a heart defect. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were very, very fortunate in that we had right here at Morgantown, um, Dr. Gustafson, who was one of the leading pediatric heart surgeons in the, maybe the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so we were able to get the care close to home and, and not have to travel and, and deal with all those additional stresses while you're dealing with, uh, you know, trying to make sure that your child gets the care. So, uh, you know, I, and the idea that the hospital is going to be yeah. even bigger yeah. and better than what we have had is exciting. As you said, we hope nobody will have to deal with it. But if you do, it's it's so great to know that those resources are located here in West Virginia, and that you don't have to go to Baltimore or Cleveland or, or you know, wherever to get care for your child. It's it's a big deal, Doctor Gus.
2: I have to say, was was one of the best of all time. The 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 countless lives and children he touched are amazing. He recently retired, and we replaced him with another superstar uh, pediatric pediatric heart surgeon that came to us from the. Children's Hospital, Philadelphia. Grew up in the Steubenville-Wheeling area, so he'll continue on that legacy, but um, it's gonna be a special place. In addition to, obviously, the, you know, the inpatient care that you're used to in the Children's Hospital, it will now have its own uh, pediatric uh, emergency department, all pediatric imaging, its own cafeteria, gift shop, uh, ORs and everything. So it is truly a standalone 150-bed hospital here on the campus of Ruby Memorial in Morgantown, it's it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun to see that one come to fruition.
0: Yeah, and, and let's face it, you know we're both focused on better health for all of West Virginia, and and it starts with our kids. So uh, it, it's 100%. something that it's important important and will certainly make a difference. Albert, you you keep a lot of balls in the air. Obviously, let's start by explaining the difference for folks between WVU Health System. And WVU Hospitals. Well, you know
2: WVU Hospitals is our is our flagship hospital here in Morgantown, Ruby Memorial. We use those terms interchangeably. Right. And the WVU Health System is the larger uh, integrated network of hospitals that we are building around the state of West Virginia. And Gary, as you shared, we're we're up somewhere in that sixteen to seventeen, you know, hospital range, including Ruby, but United Hospital Center there in Bridgeport. We reopened Fairmont Medical Center. And then, you know, at this point, we've got hospitals stretching from Wheeling down to Princeton, from Parkersburg over to Martinsburg, and increasingly everywhere in between with the intention of growing an integrated healthcare network that improves the health of the population of West Virginia and the health trajectory of West Virginia, and simultaneously try to do that in a way that lowers cost for our our um,
0: our citizens. You're in Uniontown too, aren't you? Uniontown PA? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're okay. now
2: in four states. We're in Uniontown. Okay. We've got a couple critical access hospitals in Ohio across from Wheeling. And Garrett Regional Medical Center in Oakland, Maryland is in right. the process of joining our healthcare system as well. So it's, um, you know, we've got a big vision. You know, those border states are typically areas that are close to West Virginia. I don't think you're ever going to see us do anything. You know, crazy and go to Florida or, or Arizona right. or anything. But in those border states, a lot of patients come into us, into West Virginia for care, and we want to meet that need.
0: You mentioned you began your role with WVU in uh, late 2014. Yep. Did you anticipate uh, the significant growth you would head up when you took this job? Or did you have to just roll with the changing nature of healthcare service?
2: You know, a little bit of both. I, you know, you know I, first off, I, I believe I have the greatest healthcare CEO job in the country. So, I mean, I was very blessed to be able to come here. And when I came to Morgantown, I started out as the CEO of Ruby Memorial, you know, and I saw all of the ingredients um, there to bake a beautiful cake. And I think that's what we've done as we've grown in Morgantown. And the statewide integration and growth is, you know, I, I always pictured that we would do that to some extent, um, but it has, has gone better and quicker um, than, than I would have imagined, but it's all good. So when you look at these opportunities to go out and we'll talk more during our, our half hour, as you look at these opportunities to go out and build an integrated network and take care to parts of the state um, that didn't have that level of care you know, previously, or in some cases, some of these hospitals that have joined our system, I truly believe um, would not have survived without becoming part Mm -hmm. of a bigger integrated network. It just, you know, feels really good um, to be improving the health trajectory of the state. Now, a lot of this is generational change, so it's not gonna change overnight, but we're putting the infrastructure in uh, to hopefully become a role model healthcare system um, that the state deserves and remembering you know, as you see more and more healthcare consolidation around the country, uh, in in this formation of these bigger systems, it's important that we have a healthcare system that is always going to be based and locally controlled in West Virginia. And you know, my job and my board of directors makes it very clear to me that we have to make sure that we're in a great position to always be that locally
1: controlled and operated healthcare system. Well, I think I think our viewers can can tell already that you're very enthusiastic about your job and you've said it's the greatest job in the in the country and so you know they say that if you do something that you love you'll never work a day in your life but uh we get the sense that that there's a lot of hard work um what, what what's the most rewarding thing that you that you get to do in terms of uh, your job and, and the growth of the system you know it's um
2: we have so many wonderful people here and I, and I know that's a cliche sounding answer, but I, I sincerely love the people I work with and the people I interact with around the state. And, you know, and I love not only, you know, the big wonderful things we're doing in Morgantown with the children's hospital and we started transplant programs and, you know, we're, we're one of six organizations on the continent along with Harvard, Stanford, Mayo, um, Cornell in Toronto that is doing high intensity and low intensity focused ultrasound, our heart program and critical care programs are amazing. So I enjoy that, but I also enjoy getting out into the other communities, right? So when we, you know, take over a Summersville hospital or, you know, when Jackson County joins the system and we, you know, we're doing a replacement hospital out in Jackson County, West Virginia, or, you know, we're, you know, those small communities, you go out there and people are, it's funny. I am not a native West Virginian, but anywhere you go in the state, you know, uh, you know, people have WVU flags at their houses or, yeah. you know, stickers on their car. And, you know, when you're bringing these healthcare or these hospitals into the system or or opening a subspecialty clinic in these areas, it feels like you're at a mountaineer tailgate out there, you know, so just the, the spirit of the people and the enthusiasm they have for WVU and the health system, um, it's, it's a very small and connected state and it's very rewarding to, um, do that. You know, I was down in a, I was at a children's hospital fundraiser this week in Mount Nebo, West Virginia, which is right outside of Summersville. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. There were probably a hundred people there, you know, and it's in this gorgeous, um, gorgeous site overlooking the river, hundred people there on a Wednesday night. I probably knew half of them right when I went in and they were from all around the state, but just the the spirit and the support is
1: pretty amazing. You know, a lot of that work that you guys have been doing has been to salvage hospitals that might have otherwise closed. And we know that the impact, not only from a healthcare perspective, but an economic perspective on these local communities, when they lose their local hospitals, is it's devastating. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the decision-making process, you know, that you must go through because, obviously you have limited resources uh, both financially and from a human capital perspective to to yeah. take over these facilities but it's so vital to these communities
2: yeah yeah and you you, you you're right bucky you can't you can't save them all right i mean you can't save them all but we we're dedicated to saving the ones that we that we think are critical from either a, you know where they are in the state and to, to reach that population summersville was a great example of that Somersville had two days cash on hand when we took it over. I mean, Uh, so, you know, but that it serves a state down there in, in, in that County, in that region that if that hospital wasn't there, you know, where are those folks going to go for care? You know? So we, we try to always do things where we have a plan and we're going to make them successfully viable because you can't just go in and rescue and say, you know, Oh, we're going to do it. Now what we do, you have to have a plan that it's going to be there for the next 50 years. So, you know, a lot of what we do is, how do we provide infrastructure and you know in a and a plan that's gonna, you know, keep those hospitals open and viable and, and caring for their communities? And we've been, you know, I'm proud of our team. We've been pretty successful in doing that and uh, and making it a place, you know, my job as the CEO of the healthcare system is to make it a place that if, you know, you're not gonna do it everything, you know, in in, in a small rural hospital that we do in, you know, Morgantown or Bridgeport. But if we do it there, we need to do it at the same level and quality that, you know, that I would take my own family member there. And I'm proud that we've been able to do that in quite a few spots around the state and then a few more trickling in.
0: Yeah. Let, Let me remind viewers that our podcast is brought to you by WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Uh, we hinted a little bit at COVID, Albert, uh, I mean, that's the big story nationally and certainly here in, in West Virginia. And COVID-19 is focused, or, or the news coverage is focused in a major way on how it impacts individual lives. However, the toll on health workers has been pretty well documented, too. Help us understand the enormity of the challenge still faced by doctors, nurses, administrators, and other, other work staff. Yeah, it's
2: it's tough, you know. We we went through especially last year, you know, I, I kind of put it into three phases. The first phase is when we shut everything down back in, you know, last March and April of 2020 where we weren't really sure what was going on and how were we going to get, you know, personal protective equipment to keep people safe and how was the virus transmitted, you know, and that was that was more like the scary phase, but we didn't see a lot of patients. Then, you know, from Thanksgiving into December and early January last year, we went through a, a really tough surge, um, you know, that, that, that didn't overwhelm our system, but pretty darn close to it. But, you know, there was, a, there was a light at the end of the tunnel with vaccines coming. You know, a lot of people that were sick then were older, had maybe saw family at Thanksgiving and, and came ill, you know, and it, and it really felt like we were doing God's work there. If you would have told me at the end of that surge that we'd be going through an even more difficult surge um, here in, you know, August and September and still currently, I, I wouldn't have necessarily believed it. But right. this has been a real strain, and and especially those folks on the front line in the emergency rooms, in the intensive care units. If you have um, loved ones that work in healthcare right now, thank them for what they're doing um they're 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 mentally strained and challenged right now and um and i'm hopeful that people I'm, you know I, I won't push too hard today i'm hopeful people will get vaccinated to, to to make sure we don't go through another surge vaccination now helps us to go through another surge it would be very challenging for our healthcare system um to go through what again what we're dealing with right now and from a staffing standpoint it would be a tough one so this has been Far and away these past couple of months has been the toughest part of my 25 year career, but I'm exceptionally proud of uh, the people I work with and and the efforts they've taken.
0: There's been a lot of talk uh, about vaccine mandates across the nation and lately right here in West Virginia, and I believe it was Wednesday of this week, the governor. Uh, mentioned a bill that would require businesses to afford medical and religious exemptions WVU medicine expressed opposition to that bill in its current form. Can you explain why?
2: Yeah, you know, our, our concern was that we, we want to make sure we, we don't have too much of a slippery slope. Probably the, the biggest thing uh, in the bill that we are concerned about was the ability for we're, we're concerned that almost any exemption that an employee would list, um, as long as it was notarized, would have to be accepted, which, is, which effectively completely undermines the capability of a, of a mandate. We agree wholeheartedly that any employer requiring vaccination has to have an appropriate um, medical and religious exemption process. But if you allow every employee to just write down, my name's Albert Wright and I don't believe in vaccines and have that notarized, our concern is you really can't have a requirement and you're taking that out of the capability of a small business or a healthcare system, because people that are concerned about the vaccines are just going to do that exemption. So it's just too much of a blanket exemption process, I think, to, um, and and I, and I suspect that the intention was well-meaning in that you have to have, um, medical and, and religious exemption processes. And that's already codified into law. But if if, if there isn't able, an ability for the employer and the employee to interact around that and clarify and make sure it's appropriate, it really undermines, in in our opinion, the ability to have a vaccine requirement. And we we also fear, we could talk about this a lot, we also fear that creates a very slippery slope
1: around other vaccines as well.
0: Right. Yeah, you
1: mentioned, I mean, it, it, obviously the americans with disabilities act already requires employers to 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 accept um legitimate medical and and religious exemptions so this this bill really um is redundant in that sense but at the same time as you said it 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 sort of cuts the legitimacy of those uh exemptions yeah. and allows people just to assert and so i i i understand where you're coming from um I guess we'll we'll shift gears away from that, and, uh, and 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 so we'll say that with with the health system and the hospitals, um, obviously you're you're treating people who are sick or injured. Healthy Harrison you know, tries to focus on improving people's health and well-being to minimize their need for hospital care, and, and you know obviously uh, trying to drive people into primary care in a preventative way. Can you still be strong partners in changing? Can we, uh, Healthy Harrison and the hospital? Remain strong partners together in in working on both sides of this equation. How, how do you see that working?
2: Yeah, no, one
1: hundred percent. You know,
2: we are increasingly uh, focusing on our efforts upstream as to how do we keep people out of the hospitals. How do we put people and programs in place um, in order to um, improve the health of the population? We recently announced that we we're starting a new company called Peak Health, which we're going to joint venture. With some other organizations where we actually start to do some things on the insurance side and and create some incentives to keep people out of the hospital. We are always going to be good at sick care, right? So in other words, you know, if if um, even if we all get up and eat uh, nuts and berries and run five miles a day, unfortunately, you know, there are going to be children like we talked about earlier born with congenital abnormalities. There are going to be people that develop cancer. There are going to be traumas on. You know Route 79, so we still need to be able to take care of those types of patients. But increasingly, um, healthcare—well, just you know—our doctors, nurses, and clinicians want to do the right thing. Increasingly, we're involved in what are called value-based agreements, where where we are financially incentivized and altruistically incentivized to do things that keep people healthier. So that when somebody is pre-diabetic, we jump on that and say we are not going to let this person become diabetic, or we're going to teach them how to eat better or exercise or just live healthier, healthier lives. So I don't see it as a as a compromised position at all for us to understand that, yeah, we still need to be good at sick care when you need us. um, But it's a lot more rewarding for us to, to figure out how do we keep that population healthier? How do we get people engaged in healthy activities and have us all Aligned both morally and financially towards keeping a healthy population, because that's you know there's there's nothing like your health and life, and you know and our goal is to to be a partner in that.
1: As you talk about the unification um, of the hospitals into one system, yeah, uh, obviously you talked about keeping the cost down and improving care and those efficiencies. Um, how do you see the uh, system's ability to provide a more efficient healthcare system throughout the state, and at the same time, a more um, robust and uh, as much as it can be for you know a pleasant patient experience? Obviously, nobody wants to go to the hospital. When they do, they want to walk away feeling that they were treated well and as, as well as they could have been. So, yeah. so how do you work through those elements? No, it's a great question.
2: And so, you know, we one of our big, you know, our our big secret sauce is our epic electronic medical record. And everything we do, we install our electronic medical record, both for inpatient and outpatient services. So and that allows, you know, whether you're in one of our physician offices, one of our urgent cares, whether you go from a small hospital, maybe transferred up to a bigger hospital and then transferred maybe home to home health care, whatever the case may be everything we do is on that electronic medical record so that all of your prescriptions, labs, images, physician progress notes follows you everywhere. And what that does is, A, it allows for safer care because a lot of times mistakes in healthcare happen during transitions when you're handing information off. But the nice thing is, you know, whether you're in home health at one hospital or the other or in the clinic, now everybody can see everything real time right? So we, so we minimize mistakes that way. We significantly lower the cost of care in duplication because let's say you came from Buchanan up to Bridgeport for, you know, a hospital transfer. You know, if we got the labs and the MRI in Buchanan, we don't need to repeat that in Bridgeport now because it's all visible to everyone, you know? And then finally, a lot of your healthcare dollars are spent on, a very small amount of patients and having this coordinated network of information allows us to really micromanage um, or care manage very complex patients around the state and start to invest in them. What are the tools we can do to put put in their home that actually keeps them from ending up in the hospital? Sometimes that's us putting a nurse in your home with you eight hours a day or having some type of remote monitoring equipment that that when your vitals start to get out of whack, we come and intervene before you get to the ED. So we actually have studies from the University Health Consortium, which is a group of 102 academic health systems, very much like WVU Medicine, that in three-year follow-up to complex patients, Medicare patients that have chronic diseases like um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or congestive heart failure, If if those types of patients receive greater than 90% of their care in an integrated system like ours, over a three-year period, we cut the cost of their care in half. So everything we're doing is focused on improving um, the care and the outcome of the patient while simultaneously lowering the cost of that care.
0: Let me remind everyone again that uh, our podcast is brought to you by WVU Medicine United Hospital Center. West Virginia University, The State Journal, wvnews.com, and Interaction Media. Uh, Albert, we're, I, I said we were going to go for about a half an hour, but we've got a few more questions. If your time allows, we'd like to keep going. I'm good. Yes. Good. I'm okay. Uh, and, and we touched a little bit earlier, started to touch a little bit on economic impact. We've spoken a lot about health impact. Uh, WBU Medicine, by the notes I was provided, is now the largest employer in the state. I'm sure in your travels around the state, you mentioned Mount Nebo, uh, you get to highlight your huge economic impact on West Virginia's uh, economy to yeah. be redundant. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We, we, we passed Walmart a couple of years as the largest employer yeah. in the state. So we're, we're trying to get more hospitals before, the, hopefully they'll open more stores and give us a run for our money. Um, no, but, it, you know, with, we're a $4 billion healthcare system, uh, which is, you know, is a significantly sized healthcare system spread out across a rural state. And we take that with great responsibility. You know, when you're uh, as, as much of an economic driver as we are, as I mentioned, you know, we're adding 500 new jobs for Children's, And, and, and you're right, Gary, most of these community hospitals are either the largest employer or one of the largest employers uh, in their in their counties or in their cities. And I'm proud to say in our track record, every time we, we take over a new hospital, we actually end up growing the number of jobs in those hospitals. And it's usually through growing the clinical care uh, that's capable in those communities. You know, So if you offer more services, you end up recruiting more doctors and nurses and people that work in the cafeteria or environmental services. And so we're, um, we're about twenty-six thousand employees now, and uh, like I said, we got a few more coming in. But that, you know, we're proud of that, um, and we take uh, uh, great. We understand that that's a great responsibility, and we try to treat our employees well. And and um, you know, and 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 again, as we grow the state, our our hope is West Virginia continues to prosper, and more and more people will come here. And when people come, they want to make sure there are are good jobs and good schools and good health care. And you know, uh, the good jobs and good schools, others will work on and I'm supportive, but we're gonna make sure we have good health care.
0: Well, while we're on the subject of growth, uh, can you touch on some short and long-term visions for what you're building?
2: You know, short term,
0: we've got a few more um, hospitals coming
2: into the healthcare system down in Princeton. We've got a couple more we're gonna be announcing. Um, You know, long term, um, I'm very excited about uh, the growth of our our new peak health organization where we're going to start to do some third party processing. Uh, Long term, we want to be able to take risk and provide Medicare Advantage plans and Medicaid Advantage plans uh, or Medicaid managed care plans around the state. We're going to try to do that with some other hospitals around the state where we really all get you know, financially incentivized. And again, we're going to do this on that epic electronic medical record so that we can really coordinate care. And so that's um, that's an exciting one for us. And, uh, you know, that'll play out over the next three to five years, but we'll go live with our Peak Health Initiative on January 1st of 2023. So keep keep watching that space because it's really aligned with the, the things you're doing at Healthy Harrison. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's very important in, in, in life and in healthcare to make sure that everybody's incentivized to be doing the same things. And in this case, we wanna be incentivized
1: to keeping people healthy. You say 2023, and that sounds probably to our viewers like a long way off, but you, on your team, you're probably thinking that sounds like three weeks. Uh, it's 14 months and I'm sweating <laughs> that deadline right now, but we'll be <laughs> that's ready. What I mean. Yeah, it's amazing how fast that, that time will go. Uh, what do you see as some of the biggest obstacles to, uh, you know, the delivery of effective health care in West Virginia? Uh, currently, obviously, COVID's a big part of it, but uh, what do you yeah. see otherwise? And, and what do you see coming down the line that, that maybe our viewers uh, should be looking out for?
2: You know, right now, um, it, it's hard to get past COVID because it's, so, it's been so disruptive for so many things. Uh, the staffing shortages that we're experiencing right now Um, not only in nursing and respiratory therapy, but quite honestly, all positions, you know, we're, we've got, we have thousands of jobs open right now. And I'm, I'm afraid it's, it's going to take 18 to 24 months to build that back. I mean, just in in a lot of, a lot of folks have just left their healthcare professions or taken early retirement. So, you know, I I think that's going to be a challenge for us to dig out of. Um, I am actively working on a number of programs to to in many ways, you know the, the nursing problem right now is a significant supply and demand problem. We, we need to double the number of nurses that we produce um, in, in, in the state of West Virginia and you know I, I met with the, uh, the president of Fairmont uh, state the other day about this. I met with a leadership team at WU to double the size of the nursing school here. We need to, you know, create and produce um, more nurses. And in order to, you know, keep doing what we're doing, you know, long term, I, I don't know that I have any obstacles that that I'm super afraid of, you know, we are, we are very dependent on um, government funding, where about 75% of our patients are either Medicare or Medicaid patients. And so you're always at the risk of you know, changes in the funding to Medicare, Medicaid. So that's something we always have to be aware of. Um, But that's also why you probably if you if you take note, you've heard me talk about today about not only improving the health of the population, but lowering the cost of care. I fear that if we don't figure out how to lower the cost of care ourselves, somebody's going to figure it out for us. And that's going to be in the shape of a a Medicare for all or something like that, that we were hearing at the last election. And for a number of reasons, I always think it's better when you solve problems on your own without the government solving them for you. And, um, you know, so hopefully we can do that and, and make sure we're a, a
1: viable organization for many, many years to come.
0: Yeah, you know, it,
1: it, you talk about the, uh, the rising costs of things. And, and certainly when you're talking about the scale of $4 billion, even a 4% cost of living increase means you have to be constantly finding ways to, to increase what you're bringing in to the tune of what, $160 million or whatever that increase is. And obviously the funding sources lag way behind that. So it's gotta be a challenge to to find ways to increase your revenues, to stay where you were yesterday. Yep. You know, I I guess in, in maybe in closing, healthy harrison is is really all about trying to uh help people improve themselves through health nutrition exercise um, spirituality meditation you know it's a holistic approach sometimes that can be a tough sell to people because they don't necessarily see change as quickly as they'd like Do you have any advice uh through your many years uh experience uh that, that people can take home with them from today's uh, talk and, and, yeah. and really mm-hmm. put to work. No, I, I love what
2: you do. Um, I applaud uh, the efforts of Healthy Harrison. And, you know, healthcare starts one at a time. We have to take care of ourselves and figure out how to improve our own health. And, you know, and, and I I should get up and go seven days a week. But five is still better than nothing. Right. So we got to celebrate those everything we do and remember. Everything we talk about, everything you're doing, everything I talked about, much of this is generational change. So you've got to be patient, keep the faith, and you know, and uh, and and you know, and we all have healthcare relapses sometimes where I'll eat too much one day, but then I'll get back on track next day. And you know, it's it's a journey. So I I think um, everybody keeps their heads up, and we and it's general ch- generational change, and we keep going. So keep uh, keep doing exactly what you're doing, guys.
0: I tell Thank people, you so much, yeah, my gospel has always been the best health best, uh, healthcare insurance plan in the world is uh, pay attention and take care of yourself, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and you won't have to be at that doctor's office quite as often.
2: Everything in moderation, guys, yeah. everything in moderation.
0: Yeah, Albert Wright is the president and CEO of West Virginia University Health Systems and WVU Hospitals. Uh, We thank you for joining us. Uh, Good good stuff. Good to learn more about what uh, WVU Medicine is doing all across the state of West Virginia. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, We want to thank you all for joining us as well uh, for this weekly Healthy Harrison podcast. It's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health here and throughout all of West Virginia. If you want more information right now or need some help, you can visit HealthyHarrison.org or visit the Healthy Harrison Facebook page and give us a like while you're there. You'll find lots of support, and you can also stream past episodes of our podcasts uh, if you're on that Healthy Harrison Facebook page. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, wvnews.com and Interaction Media on behalf of Healthy Harrison, Uh, Brock Malcolm, the president of our board of directors. Uh, uh, I'm Gary Bowden, and uh, we all thank you. Brock, thanks for helping out today. Oh, absolutely. And and thanks again, Albert, for coming and and sharing
1: uh, the good news about um, WVU and, and you know, the future of healthcare in our state.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think what we do is is very much the same. It's just approached from a little different direction. So it all all helps. Next Friday, by the way, uh, Amy and I will be co-hosting and we'll be talking with David Harshbarger uh, and the WVU Medicine Mindfulness Team. So we hope you'll be able to join us for that. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks again to Albert Wright. And uh, we hope you all can uh, be with us again. Thanks so much.